Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 166. Today, I want to continue our thought where I left you yesterday in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthians that when they go through trials, when they go through trouble, when they go through crushings, that God is doing something in their lives, not just for them, but for others also. Isn't that the way God works in every aspect of our life. He gives us the gift of salvation so we can share the wonderful message of Jesus with others. That's the great, great mystery of the gospel, how God can use fallen creatures like you and like me, and he can change us into the people that can be instruments of God's grace and God's glory. When I left you last, we were in verse 3 which says, Blessed be, say good things, and blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father, the one who pities us, the one who is the Father of that, the originator of that, the God of all comfort. Now, this word comfort is used 10 times in these verses. It's amazing in verses 3 through 7, 10 times, One, either the noun form or one, the verb form is used of this root word to encourage, to come alongside, to be an advocate for, to step in, to counsel and guide. It's used 10 times. The Bible says this God, who is the God of all comfort, he comforts us in all of our tribulation. Now, that's the Greek word thlipsis, and it means crushed, to be constricted, to be put in a tight place, a place like you would say and I would say in the South idiomatically, between a rock and a hard place. When you can't go anywhere, when you're in a straitjacket, and maybe we've put our own sails in that straitjacket, but whatever the case is, we are in the middle of a trial and trouble, and we're bothered, and we can't sleep, we can't eat, and it's on our mind, whatever it is, all the time, and we're asking God to comfort us. The Bible says he does, who comforts us in all of our crushings, that we may be able that we may have the energy, the wherewithal, the ability, the capability to comfort those who are in any trouble themselves, any crushing themselves with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, the same way God comforts you is the same way he comforts someone else. God encourages your heart. You see, only God Only God can really fix us. Only God can get us out of the messes that we're in. Yes, we might can do some things to help that process along, and God many times in his word directs us to do that. But haven't you ever noticed that usually when we mess up, when someone's messed us up, or we're just going through a testing period, what God is wanting is for us to depend on him. He's wanting us to trust him. And trust is not some ethereal concept out there somewhere that's not concretized in our lives. That's why Hebrews chapter 11 is written. You have this awesome and inspiring definition of faith. Faith is the 
substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now think about that. I just gave you the definition of faith, and you don't know any more than what you did. And the reason is the more abstract the truth, the more concrete and varied and numerous have to be the illustrations that will make that abstract concept real to us. And that's why after that tremendous and awesome and awe-inspiring definition of faith, what God does is use the rest of the chapters, the chapter, one of the longest chapters in the New Testament, to describe to us what faith is because we need it to be concretized. We need it to be concrete. We need to touch it and feel it. And God says in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, without this trust, whatever that is, and he goes on to describe and give us illustrations of what that is in Hebrews 11, he says without this, it's impossible to please God. And so he says this God of all comfort, he comforts us, he encourages us to trust him in everything. And those of us who are in any trouble, he wants us to take his comfort, to trust in him, to trust his word. And he says that we turn around and we comfort others with the same kind of comfort that we have been comforted. See, there's there's no new way to be comforted. There's a variety like variegated thread, all different colors of testings and troubles. There's no one flavor of trouble. And it comes in every shape. That's why James chapter 1 says, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. See, there's not any kind of limit on how we are tested and how we are troubled and how we are brought into trials. But the reality is the answer is always in God himself. He says, for as the sufferings, that's the word for deep inside, pathos, pathos, that deep inside of us, the sufferings of Christ abound in us so that our, it says consolation in the New King James, maybe your Bible says comfort or encouragement. So our encouragement also abounds through Christ. For if we are afflicted, If indeed we are in trouble of any kind, whether it be testings, whether it be trouble crushing a straight place, it is for our own encouragement. And the word is soteria. It's where we get our word soteriology. It is for our salvation, which is effective. It really is something that produces endurance, and it has the same sufferings with which we ourselves also suffer. In other words, there is nothing that comes into our lives that someone else hasn't gone through. And if someone else is going through something as another human being, those who have gone through the same kind of sufferings, it's amazing how they can have empathy, how they can listen with a tender ear and a tear in their heart because they've already walked through that. And all kinds of organizations from drug addiction to cancer therapists and others have pulled people together who have been through the same kind of cancer, the same kind of disease, where they can come alongside and say, yeah, I remember when I was going through that very same thing. Now, you're going to feel this, and you may feel this. And they will go, how did you know? Well, I've been there. You see, God brings about things in our lives and allows things to come into our lives, not just for us. And he doesn't comfort us and encourage us just for us. See, life's not all about us. 
It's about the Lord Jesus. And not only that, it's about others. This is why when Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, he didn't just name one, the greatest, the protos, the megale, the first, the greatest, but he gave them a twofer. You remember when they came, they said, Lord, what's the greatest thing we can do on this earth? What is the greatest thing we can do? What's the great commandment? A commandment is something you do. They said, what's the greatest thing we can do? He said, love the Lord your God with the totality of your being. Love the Lord with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything that's within you. But then he said, and secondly, he didn't even divide the two. He said, in the same breath, and next, the next greatest thing to loving God is loving others in the same way you've been loved, in the same way you would do for yourself, do for others. Isn't it amazing that God and God's Word and the disciples of Jesus got it so much that they always tied that together? The Apostle John wrote extensively on it in First John when he said, if you say you love God and you don't love your brother, you've missed the whole thing because loving God produces a love for others. This is consistent and confluent all the way through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And so he says that we are to comfort others with the same comfort that we have been and with the same salvation that we have been provided, God will provide to others. And in verse 7, amazing statement, and he said our hope. Now, the Elpis family, Elpidai, Elpis, all of these words for hope, doesn't mean wishful thinking, I hope, I hope, I hope. No, it is expectation. I have defined elpis, elpida, the hope words, as eager anticipation of God's faithfulness to you, of excited expectation that God is going to do just what he promised he would do. You see, hope is the bridge to life. And during this Christmas season, we always have a rise in suicide. And people will say, you know, well, if they were saved, no, you better hold on there just a minute. Because there are three great character qualities and virtues that are given in First Corinthians, faith, hope, love. Yes, the greatest of these is love, but hope is in the middle strategically because it is the bridge to life. You see, a person can die in faith. A person, a truly saved person can take their own life in a moment of temporary insanity or in a moment of great grief or sorrow or in a moment of being in one of those great tribulations. A person can do things that later, if they were in their right mind or thinking correctly, or they might not do. You can just read suicide notes, which unfortunately some of us have had to read over the years, and you will see people can say, I know you love me and I love you, but I can't go on. I've lost all hope. You see, you can die and even commit suicide saved, knowing you're saved, and knowing you're going to meet Jesus. And you can die and you can know you're loved and love others. But let me tell you, you cannot take your own life. You cannot take your own life with eager anticipation that God has something better for you in the future, either near or far. You cannot be taking your own life with excited expectation that God is going to deliver you from the trouble and trial that you're in. Listen to me. What has happened in our nation? Yes, we don't love one another as we should because the love of God's not shed abroad in our own hearts. Yes, we don't have faith and our nation is in a terrible shape because we do not trust God anymore. We don't even own him as a divine being that we're accountable to. 
Let me tell you what America has lost and what many churches have lost and what many individuals have lost who have Jesus living in their hearts is hope. They've lost hope that there will be a better tomorrow. They've lost hope that they will ever be able to get out of the mess that they're in. And what they need is someone like you, someone like me, to come alongside them, Pericaleo, and allow God to call us beside of them and encourage them during this Christmas season. This week, find someone, pay close attention to the Spirit of God, and hone in on that person that just in your spirit, you know they need a word of encouragement. Maybe you've been dealing with them over the past, and it might be time to just call them up and pray for them, pray for them, and then call them up and let them know you're praying for them. And go to that person that might be alone this Christmas season. I'll talk more about that in the next podcast. But find them, go to them, run to them, and help them to understand that there is a future and a hope for them, and that God loves them with an undying, unflinching, everlasting love, and He cares for their soul. And they don't have to give up, because there is hope in Jesus of a better tomorrow. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.